0: It's the amazing Rico Bronia podcast
1: with your host, Evan Roberts. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Rico Bronia. How about us winning a little two out of three against the Pittsburgh Pirates? How about us? Uh, first off, off the bat, Pete Hoffman can't explain it. I can't explain it. We don't know why the last podcast would not post on
0: Apple podcast. I, I can't, or is that what it's called? Apple podcast wherever. Yeah. No, it's iTunes. It's like iTunes. I, 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 iPod. Listen, by the way, it is up there now. I don't oh, know it why it? Took forever. To, yeah, I don't know why it took forever to get there. I even made some emails, I made some phone calls, and nothing.
1: <laughs> we all understand. Like I, I, I mean, we, we don't understand, but we do understand. It's nothing that Pete did. It's nothing that I did. It was odd. So, if you missed the last edition of Rico Bronia, we apologize. If that's where you usually get your pods, but next time, here's what I would always say. Barring something unforeseen, there's always going to be a podcast after a a series is over. So for some reason, if it doesn't pop up in iTunes or where you normally get the pod, look elsewhere and you're going to find it. And hopefully we don't run into that issue again. Uh, And hopefully you're getting this podcast. But I saw the issue. A lot of people mentioned to us the issue. Uh, I guess now it's been rectified. But just remember, there'll always be a Rico After a Met series. In fact, this series that we're about to talk about, we're recording this at about 11 o'clock at night on Wednesday night. And you may be able to hear it in my voice. I was so freaking tired after I got home from work that I passed out. And I said to my wife, I said, honey, please make sure I'm up by 11 o'clock because I got to record a Rico. And she said, honey, but what if you're tired and you look so adorable sleeping? I said, no, 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 no. We gotta get him the Rico any way that we can. It's my friend Francesa on the fence. So here we are, getting set to record a Rico. And, that's, and
0: can uh, I can I add on to that? First of all, uh, I just walked out of my um, my nice hotel room in the Grand Floridian I told my <laughs> wife uh, I have to record a podcast. We just we just got here, by the way. We were on like a supposed to take three hours to get to Florida. We landed at like nine o'clock. Uh, because of freaking weather delay or whatever But we just got here I ate quick and I said, okay, I have to record a podcast Why? Because of the people Yeah, you. Pete is committed Because the first thing I said to Pete is
1: I said, listen You're at Disney World, you're on vacation Do you want me just to record it? Like, would you rather not do it? And he said, absolutely not, bro We got to break down winning two out of three Against the Pittsburgh Pirates Because if we don't do it <laughs> No one else is going to do it
0: No, and and I have to pat you on the back because you nailed this to a T. Five out of five. Five, five, Yeah, I somehow,
1: like the broken clock that is right twice a day, completely nailed this homestand. And I appreciate you giving me the credit. And what I'm proud of is not just five and five being correct about, but specifically how we were going to get here. Winning two out of three against the Chicago Cubs, losing three out of four to the Atlanta Braves, And though it was shaky at times, winning two out of three against the Pittsburgh Pirates. And it's weird because I'm happy when the Mets win. I am. I can't deny that. So when they won the opener of this series against Pittsburgh, even when they won the afternoon game, the finale of this series, and DJ Stewart is morphing into Babe Ruth, and Tyler McGill is somehow settling down and getting through five innings, that does, as a Met fan, make me happy. And I know we've talked about this a little bit and it'll continue to be a discussion through the end of the season. But I also acknowledge that in terms of finishing with a bottom six record or finishing with better chances of winning the lottery, beating the Pittsburgh Pirates is bad for those things. I, I understand that. But when you're sitting there on a Monday night or a Tuesday night, or in this case, a Wednesday afternoon, I don't know about you listening, I want to see them win. Even if Rafael Ortega is wearing Michael Conforto's number, you know, even if Tyler McGill is pitching for a rotation spot in AAA next year, I still want to see them win. It doesn't maybe give me the same joy as it would have given me if this team was in a pennant race, but I am happy when they win games. And here's what happened on this homestand. They took on a good Cub team and won two out of three. They took on a, a lousy pirate team, won two out of three. But when they face the Atlanta Braves, much like when the Yankees faced the Atlanta Braves, they saw what you want to be. Aaron Boone made that comment, and it absolutely is true. I know you don't, no Yankee fan or even a Met fan wants to hear about how good the Braves are and how you want to be the Atlanta Braves, but that's really who you want to be. And before I get into any of these games, and look, we're not going to spend too much time breaking down each game, Tim Britton of The Athletic wrote a column, which I know a lot of people don't have The Athletic, but it was very interesting. It was thought-provoking, and it was about the way the Mets were built this past season and the way they may look to build themselves in the future based on was this team built the wrong way because of the new rules. And I give a lot of fans of the Rico credit for this because this was certainly a question that was asked even before the season starts. By the way, it's Tim Britton of The Athletic, not Tim Healy. If I said Tim Healy, I apologize. I get, they're both very good Met reporters, but I get them confused sometimes because their first name is Tim. And that's very, very tricky. Very, very tricky. So it's actually Tim Britton of The Athletic that wrote the article about the Mets approach for 2024. But this question was brought up a lot. Pete brought it up. I give you credit to Hoff. A lot of Met fans before this season of, Will the new rules not affect the team or will they affect the team? Now, here's my observation before we dive into, should this change their approach for 24 and some of the conclusions that Tim, uh, did I say Healy or Britton? I, I forgot again. Tim Britton. I think it was Tim Britton. You said Tim Burton, Tim Brit, Tim Britton. And Will Salmon, those are the athletic writers. I want to get their names right. At least I apologize. Tim, Tim Salmon. T- <laughs> <laughs> How about do I just call him Tim? Tim wrote a great article. That works. So I think the pitch clock affected and has affected and continues to affect Carlos Carrasco. And, And that was brought up. I'm sure, Pete, that's one of the names you mentioned. I don't think there's any doubt that based on his age, based on his history, and really based on his struggles this year, as I gulp a bottle of water. Hold on one second. Oh, that's so good
0: i mean fries, so don't worry about it.
1: (laughs) Gulping water while trying to maintain a conversation was Marco Rubio at the State of the Union a few years ago. I don't know if anyone saw this. It was when Obama was president, so Rubio was doing the the response, if you will. And it was a big moment for Marco Rubio. Hey, can he be someone like a future presidential candidate? As we learned, the answer was no. He was trying to talk, but he was really thirsty. So he leans over awkwardly while pausing to sip his water. And I remember everybody's take was just tell us you're thirsty. So that was my approach. I'm very parched right now. So when I want to take a sip of water, I'm going to announce it. I'm going to say, Hey guys, give me two seconds about to sip water about to do it right now. Here we go.
0: Can, can I answer your serious question? Is there a way to spin this into a Nets thing too? Cause you just went, you know, politics and governmental <laughs> stuff. It's usually a Nets or, you know, government history. <laughs> That's coming. Just be patient. We're not there yet.
1: Um, I think Carrasco is affected by the pitch clock. I do. I don't think it affected Verlander or Scherzer. I think that's too easy sometimes. They're veteran guys. They're older guys. And when you have older guys on your team, and I guess Carrasco could fit in this too, you never know when you're just going to start to age. You never know when you're just not going to be as effective as you were before. Now, in Scherzer's case, he's been great in Texas, which is obnoxious, but he has been in the few starts that he's made. But I don't look at Max's failures to blowing leads this season and his averageness that he pitched to as being affected by the pitch clock. And I think Max is a pro. Maybe I'm giving him him too much credit. I don't think that negatively
0: affected him. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it.
1: May have affected a guy like Adam Adovino. Um, But Adam Ottavino hasn't had like this horrendous season. He's had an up and down season. That's how, If I'm being honest about how Adam Ottavino's pitched this season, and I'm not surprised by it. In fact, I think we talked about this during the offseason. You kind of expected, well, there's no way he's matching what he did last year. Kinda of reminds me of Aaron Loop from a few years ago when the Mets didn't re-sign him. Loop had this amazing year, and it just never felt realistic that he was going to repeat that. It's very difficult for relievers to do that. So, has it affected Adam Ottavino? I think it has, but it's not as if he can't pitch at the major league
0: level, and he's been atrocious this season. Yeah, but the the, the, the disagreement on that is if a guy gets on first base, if he loses a guy, walks a guy, guy gets a single, guy. Gets A guy on first base turns into a guy on second base. Yeah. And that's a problem.
1: No, 100%. I'm just saying it hasn't – like, Carlos Carrasco is not a major league pitcher. And the Mets literally only run him out every five days. We saw this in the opener of this series when Buck was smartly getting him out after three innings, which he's done a lot recently. He's not a major league pitcher. you know. And it's taken me a while to kind of admit that, but here we are. He's not. You know, when a guy can't get through five innings or four innings, or in this case, three innings – and it's not really competitive, he's been so beaten up, he can't pitch every five days. Adam Adovino is still a serviceable major league reliever. So yeah, I'm not denying that there are times where you get a guy on base, you're just walking a second against him. It hasn't killed him. It hasn't eliminated him from being a major leaguer. But I do agree. I think the disengagements affected him. This is not based on analytics, obviously. This is going to be based on my eye test. One of the other theories they pointed out was athletically, defensively in the infield. That while Lindor has showed off his athleticism and his range because of the lack of the shift, that it may have negatively affected Jeff McNeil and Pete Alonso. So a couple of things about that. I'm watching every game. And I'm not saying this as a fanboy or as someone trying to rationalize it. I'm not. I don't see how Pete Alonso has been negatively affected by the shift. I, I, don't, I don't see that. I think Pete has continued to do what he has done every single year, and that has gotten a little bit better defensively. That doesn't mean I think he's Rico Bronya in his prime. I'm, I'm certainly not suggesting that. But is he a better first baseman today than he was a year ago than when he was a year before that. Absolutely. No question in my mind, Jeff McNeil. I think what's tough for Jeff McNeil is that he's a good defensive second baseman. I don't think he's great. I think he's good. And he also gets shifted all over the place. I don't mean shifted by the shift. I mean, playing right field, playing left field, And I love that about Jeff. I think that's a value to Jeff McNeil, that no matter who's on your roster or who's injured, you can find a way to play him because he can play a serviceable right, a serviceable left, a serviceable second base. I don't think it's gone backwards that far defensively at second base, where I would say, boy, that lack of athleticism, that's killing him. You know, usually he's got a guy playing short right field, but obviously When the shift was involved and you had a guy in short right field against a left-handed slugger, Jeff McNeil had less ground to cover. Uh, There's no question about that, but I don't see it. You know, watching them every day, how it's so negatively affected the way he's played second base. So I don't know if I completely buy that theory that defensively they've gone backwards because of the shift. And I admit I'm doing this with an eye test, not with defensive run save or any kind of metric i'm watching them every day and i'm trying not to be biased here pete i don't see how that has really affected them
0: and now it's weird because i would i kind of think that the shift has hurt mcneil in the opposite way not as different, defensively different yes hitting i yes. think it's hurting and and i just i have a question for you and i don't want to pivot Someone asked me the stupidest question in the world I wanted to punch him in the face. His name is Paul Rosenberg. It was <laughs> Anthony Gallo. One of the two. They asked me a dumb question. They said, who was a better first baseman in their career as a Met, Carlos Delgado or Pete Alonso? And I think it's no question it's Pete Alonso. Defensively? Yeah. I think Pete Alonso's gotten better,
1: yeah. I think it's Pete. And again, that doesn't mean I think Pete has gotten to that area that he probably wants to be, which is Paul Goldschmidt. And he has said that. I remember I interviewed him right before his major league debut down in spring training in 2019. And he said at the time, and I think he's repeated it a few times, he wants to be Paul Goldschmidt. And he wants to be Paul Goldschmidt not just because he's a right-handed slugger, but because he viewed him as this excellent, excellent defensive first baseman. But he's better than Delgado. Delgado was below average
0: defensively at first base. Yeah, and by the time he was here, he really kind of died out the last couple of seasons. I mean, it was awful. Well, he got – he got
1: the Mets got Delgado at the end of his career. So it was probably the point of his career where ideally he's a DH every single day anyway. And then, yeah, he started to slow down offensively uh, after he hit those – the 8-RBI game, the 10-RBI game, whatever it was at Yankee Stadium.
0: Yeah, he I threw away his book was. after that.
1: Yeah, he threw his buy right? But I don't think he was ever good defensively. Maybe earlier in his career in Toronto, but certainly not with the Mets. He wasn't much defensively. Stolen base-wise, yes, I agree. The Mets need to be more athletic. No, No doubt about that. And I think we've seen in the trades that they've made, they're attempting to do that. They're attempting to be a more athletic team. It's funny when you look at the stolen base numbers from this team this year, and I'll pull them up just so we have it in front of us so we can actually get the exact numbers. Starling Marte has probably done far more in stealing bases than any of us could have expected coming into this season because I think I remember us talking about it we we looked at him and said well he is older he's 34 years old is he really going to come out and steal 40 bases he has stolen 24 bases which is a huge number considering he's only played 86 games and I don't know how many more he's going to play when he comes back so as much as Marte was affected this season offensively batting average way down OPS way down only hit five home runs only had 13 extra base hits the entire season we could pick apart his offense the fact he came out and stole 24 bases and is still to this point despite not playing anymore their stolen base leader is amazing